Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Jeff Nishwitz, the snow globe shaker, and we're going to get into a little bit more about what that means exactly. So, Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing great, Timothy. Excited to have this conversation. Yeah, me too. Me too. Love, love running the podcast, and I'm happy to have you on. And so we like to jump right in. So if you could just start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and some of the things that you like to do for fun, that would be great. Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm an oddball when it comes to fun. Um, I, I like being outside. Uh, I moved to Florida a couple of years ago, so I get to be outside more. So I like things like bike riding and kayaking. Uh, I became a student of history later in my life. So I love going, uh, you know, I love reading and I read a lot of uh, history and personal development, leadership, all those kinds of things. I love traveling uh, travel is probably my big thing. Uh, Pre-COVID, for about the four years prior to COVID, I did a ton of traveling. And uh, I, you know, you talk about living the dream. I feel like I've started to create it because I, I'm a speaker. So a lot of times I travel for speaking and I just add time on. So I'll go somewhere. And if I haven't been there before, I really like it. I'll say, well, instead of going for a day and a half, I'll go for four days and explore uh, and I, um, part of that travel is, and this is, I guess, one of my coolest experiences about eight years ago, my dad and I, who's still living, started doing a trip together every year. And unfortunately COVID interrupted that, but we would go visit, uh, for the first six or seven years, civil war battlefields, uh, cause we both had an interest in history. And then we just started going places. We took a long train trip out West and drove all over the Montanas and Dakotas. And I would say the the thing that lights me up the most is travel. Uh, and this is kind of the oddball thing. What I think is really fun is hanging out with people and talking about stuff like real stuff. Like just, it doesn't have to be serious stuff. Uh, you know, my, my, my tolerance for casual conversation is pretty low, like a, a few minutes of it, but you know, if I get together with some friends and have a glass of wine or a bourbon and maybe smoke a cigar and just talk about whatever comes up, that is like fun to me. I, I, it fills my heart to do that. So that's some of the things that are filling my life. I love that. I love that. Uh, what type of real stuff? Like what type of things do you go outside of casual conversation to talk about? Uh, everything. It's kind of like we, we talk, in fact, often I hang out with people that we go, we talk about all the things we're not supposed to talk about. Like what's important to someone. It's usually, it's not like we sit down and say, let's figure out what's the topic of the day. It's more like, Hey, did you see this? What do you think about that? And a lot of times we disagree. Um, I would say this sometimes uh, some of the real topics that I really love talking about is put it in the bucket of personal work. Like what, you know, 
me sharing, hey, you know, I just recently became aware of this about myself um, in terms of like maybe a trigger I have. It's kind of, and I'll tell you, a lot of times if people would hear some of these conversations, I think they would say, oh, you're not supposed to talk about that. But the people are genuinely looking to learn. And usually what happens is I'm just really naturally curious. So I just start asking questions and all of a sudden there's this conversation happening, but it started with curiosity. There was no agenda. There was no and it wasn't, I need, it's not like, I need to know what you think about this. It's, I'm curious what you think about this. And then I think that's more opening and people are more willing to share because it's not about me trying to figure out, figure you out. I just, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, tell us a little bit more about Snow Globe leadership and your company and your speaking practices. Yeah, well, the snow globe idea came to me four or five years ago. I was speaking at a conference. I, I got to tell you, I don't even know if I owned a snow globe at the time, which is pretty weird. I was literally in the middle of my speech and this idea or this metaphor of snow globes hit me. And I started thinking about how snow globes are all similar. Snow globes are, they're nice to look at. That's what they're designed to be, but that's not really their purpose. They are designed to look nice. They have a nice picture inside of them or a scene, but they're designed to be shaken up. And I thought, do we really shake up our snow globes? And I started asking people and they said, no, I never shake my snow globe. It just sits on the shelf. And so I started thinking about how in order to change things, we have to be willing to shake things up, starting with ourselves. And we have to not only shake things up because this metaphor, like it was like someone gifted it. It's like God gifted it to me or something, because every time I stand in front of a crowd and I shake a snow globe and I'll say, so what happened as soon as I stopped shaking? They all go, it's settled. Go, That's the point. We shake things up in our lives, but we don't really change things. We don't change our perspective. We don't change our thinking. We don't change our action. And everything goes back to the way it was. So whether it's your personal life, your relationship life, or your business life, you disrupt, but you really just shook. Disruption is about fundamentally changing things. And that's been the mantra. So whether I'm, you know, working with a coaching client or speaking to an audience or my new books coming out actually tomorrow night, which is pretty cool. It's about a reminder that you've got to constantly shake things up. And the last thing I'll share, cause it's kind of a new thought that hit me this summer that great discomfort always precedes great outcomes that you don't get great outcomes without discomfort that's just the deal and i'm pretty willing to be uncomfortable including in those conversations like sometimes they're uncomfortable but they're still the conversations that need to happen and i kind of do the same thing with my clients i'm i'll I'll say this say I chuckle because the greatest compliment I get as a coach is when my clients swear at me and they usually swear at me after I ask them a question before I even, they even answer it because it was something that they weren't, maybe they didn't know. They probably didn't know and some level didn't want to see and didn't want to know. And so they'll usually swear at me and I'll just sort of smile and they'll say, yeah, I, I know. Huh. Sort of, huh? I didn't know that's how I saw that. I didn't know that's what I believed. I didn't know that was my obstacle. 
So I like getting swore at by my clients. I'm an odd duck. <laughs> well, that means you're getting to the good stuff. Uh, I'm getting Challenge. the good stuff. Yeah. I That's why that. I'm a snow globe shaker. I help people shake their snow globes. And sometimes I shake it for them with a question or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. Tell us a little bit more about your motivation in this, you know, just snow globe leadership and leading people and shaking things up in your life and other people's. Um, you know, I went a few years ago, this sounds very businessy, but it was very raw. I went through a, I actually created a brand and I started thinking about what am I all about? And I engaged somebody I knew and they asked a lot of great questions. And I remember a conversation. I was sitting on her couch in her office and she was kind of grilling me with the why question. Why do you do what you do? And she didn't accept any of my answers. And I was kind of ticked off, but I get it because I think when we ask why questions, usually the first four or five answers aren't really the truth. They're the, the, the head talk. And then I got to this point in her questions that it got, I got, became very emotional. I could feel like the emotions. I was tearing up. And what I said to her is, I said, because this, the why, because of what I do is this is why I exist. Like I might as well not even have breath in me if I'm not doing this. And what drives me is I, I look around and I see, I see, I tend, one of my gifts is I see the best in people, not Pollyannish best. I see that like the brilliance in them. I see the gold in them that most people can't see people. We're so hard on ourselves. I'm so hard on myself. So the idea that I could help people see the best of themselves, see how much they have to contribute, see how they matter so they can really, frankly, love themselves and then do that to the people around them. Because I'll tell you, Timothy, I look around and I'm not hesitant to say this. I don't see much leadership anywhere. I see a lot of people running things, but leadership to me is about your people and Sadly, a question I often ask, like at a workshop or something, is I'll say to people, take a moment and take, pull out a piece of paper and write down the names of all the great leaders that you've worked with or interact with. That doesn't take very long. They don't have any. They have a lot of people that are maybe decent bosses, but that's not the same thing. They say, well, this guy, this guy or woman, they, they're growing this business but I don't know that they're a great leader. They just know how to grow things. And there's a difference because leadership is about our people. And you look at a world, especially the United States, that's the issues we have are our mental health issues, our relationship issues, our culture issues, our trust issues at work. We've, I call it the gap. We've got this huge leadership gap and I'm, I'm just, I've decided I'm not going to let it be. I'm not okay letting it be. So I'm going to speak up. I'm going to ask the hard questions. I'm going to challenge people uh, with a goal of, and this is where it's sometimes weird when I say it, to make the world a better place. But like starting in the, the interactions every day between people. So it's not a grand plan. It's a grand hope that my little ripple will turn into a big ripple and 
people's lives and relationships will be transformed. And when that happens, their businesses will grow. I mean, that's the thing. The, the business growth is the out is the outcome of getting your people stuff right. Not let's grow our business and everybody will be happy because we made money. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I love that. And so that's kind of a great segue into the dreams and goals section of the podcast. Is that your overall vision? You know, making people's lives better by focusing on the interactions between leaders and their people? Yeah, I would say that's my, um, yeah, that's my kind of the, I, I, it's funny when I call it the business dream because my life is so integrated. That's my professional dream uh, to transform large numbers of people in how they lead people. Because if they do it the way I talk about it, they're going to be more curious. They're going to be more present. They're actually going to listen. They're going to be more empathetic. And if you look at that and you say, what would happen if we had tens of thousands of people who were more present, more curious, better listeners, and more empathetic? That's, 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 a, that's a world changer. And I, and I think, you know, I mentioned, I say professional because from a personal perspective, I, I'm really blessed. I get to live, my life is about my mission. Like they're not, they're not separate. And that's at the beginning of the conversation. There's things I love to do, like travel. So, you know, from a, that standpoint, it's about creating this impact while creating time for the things I love to do. Because I still would love more freedom of time. Not, and it's funny when people say, well, when will you be done with the, this impact piece? I said, never, that'll, that'll happen till my last breath. It just might look different. So the dream for me is to um, continue to create ways that I can have my impact and have the freedom of time, which means, you know, some of that's business stuff about how I should run my business. Some of that's about investing. Um, you know, one of my dreams is to get involved in other businesses in addition to my business as an owner. So I'm creating... Um, growth opportunities that aren't dependent on my hours but on my impact yeah yeah absolutely like being an angel investor um a little bit of that some of it is you know some of the conversations i've had more recently are partnering with clients so that i'm not a consultant or a coach i'm a partner with them in the business so help them. I mean, what I do is I help people grow themselves so they can grow their business, but be a part of the business instead of just collecting a, a fee, you know, um, a little bit of real estate investing is in that mix too. Uh, you know, it's never too late to start. I'm just getting involved in that now in my life. I mean, I, I think the, I talked, I've written about this and talked about it my dad gave me a great work ethic. He also passed down his workaholicism. So a lot of my life's journey has been to navigate that workaholicism uh, because I can outwork anybody. 
but learning that that's not how I add the most value has been a journey. It has been a journey. Yeah, and I'm still I still work on it every day. Remind myself that you know to take time and and to create time by doing things differently and by being innovative in how I do business and how I create value for others and therefore for myself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I love that. I love that. And it's easy when you care about something to really get into the workaholic mode because it gives you energy, you know, and you could do it all day. But there are also other things in your life that are good that give you energy, like rest, like family time, like recreational time and stuff that you need to make sure you do. So. Yes, I call that, I sometimes call that the big lie. The big lie that people will say, well, I, I love what I do, so it's okay that I'm working eight hours a week. I don't buy that because if you think of what does it mean to be really healthy, sound mind, body, and spirit, that doesn't mean that does not include working all the time. And I can do that. And I told myself the same lie. I told myself that lie back in my prior, my prior career when I was a lawyer and I worked all the time, told myself I was doing it because I loved it. Turns out I didn't told myself I was doing it because I was growing a business, which I was, and I paid a high cost of time away from my family. You know, I paid a very high cost of missing out on a lot of my kids' life because I bought the lie. Uh, and and you, we can have it all, but we have it all by choosing it all as opposed to trying to do it all, if that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. It's a, it's a simple thing, but a really hard thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit more about mm, taking us back to when like the snow globe leadership first started happening. Maybe your transition from lawyer to really owning your own company, which is the Nishwitz group, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that was quite the journey, boy. I learned so many lessons in that. And I'll, I'll, I'll try and be brief, but hit some of the highlights. I, I decided to become a lawyer when I was like 15 years old, which is crazy because no lawyers in the family, no close friends. The reason I be, the main reason I became a lawyer is my mom who regularly said to me, you know, you should be a lawyer because you love to argue and you're really good at it. <laughs> I thought later in life, I thought, well, that's pretty weird because all teenagers love to argue. Maybe they're not all good at it, but I just, I mean, I was just an obnoxious teenager and, and wanted to argue about everything. That is why I became a lawyer and I became a lawyer and I, 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 I laid out my plan and my plan, my dream at the time. Well, let's call it a goals kind of dream was I want to be a partner in a corporate law firm. And that happened right on track. Everything I set my mind to, I achieved. I got good, you know, went to college, got into a good law school, got the internship, the offer, worked hard, like, re I mean, killer hours. And, you know, I think it was eight years in. Uh, so age 33, I achieved my life's goal. And then I went, now what? Because, I mean, I had literally, I, that was it. I had said, that's my life goal. And I did it. Now what? Then I started to say, well, is this my future? And I realized that I wanted to be more of a leader in the firm, in the law firm. And I looked around at who was leading and 
there were, you know, they ran by committee and I looked at that committee and said, they're not, they're not going to let me at the seat at the table. Cause I was a troublemaker. I was a snow globe shaker. Even then I didn't know the word then. Um, I was told regularly, I asked too many questions like about why we do things and how we do it. And, um, and I cared about the people more than the firm did. And so I said, well, um, if I want to have a seat at the table, I got to create my own table. So I went and started my own law firm and did that for seven, well, big firm, 10 years, did that for seven years and had it figured out. I, I, my first book is about how to build a law firm, like a business. And I figured it out. I beat the system. I, I got to the point that I was making money, running the firm, doing it. I was doing it all, but I wasn't killing myself. And my friends were like, how do you do this? How do you not work weekends? Cause I didn't, I didn't work weekends. How do you not work all hours? I, I just didn't, I beat the system. And then I figured out that I wasn't happy. And I was like, why am I not happy? I just achieved my goal again. And I realized that I didn't like practicing law. <laughs> I just was really good at it. And so the two big lessons that came to me from that, which I think are important for everybody is you can be amazing at something and it's not the right thing. I'm just really good at a lot of things. I was really good at, I was a good lawyer and I was a good lawyer at building a law firm, but I didn't like being a lawyer and I couldn't figure out how to be a lawyer and not practice law. So I quit, I quit. And so the one lesson was that I, if you had asked me before I decided to leave the practice, how I felt about practicing law, I would have said, it's okay, but it's not great. And I went great. I would have said, it's okay. And as soon as I decided to quit, I realized I hated it. So one lesson I would share with everybody is if you think something's okay, it's probably not even true because the feeling that it's okay is the protection mechanism. So you don't have to change. You tell yourself it's okay but it's not. And I realized I hated it. So I left. Um, I went and started a new business turned into an epic failure. Uh, I got schooled. I got humbled um, and came back and, and went to work for started working for some other folks, started doing business development and sales was really good at that. Didn't feel fulfilled, wanted to have my own business, didn't know what it was. And that's when I wrote my book for lawyers. And I wrote the book because I wanted to write a book. I had no plan. I had no business. I, I wasn't a consultant. I just said, I want to write a book. I always wanted to write a book. So I wrote a book. At least one guy read it. And he called me one day from West Virginia and said, I read your book. I think it's awesome. Do you do coaching? And I gave the right answer. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> And we had several discussions that went mostly like, well, how much does it cost? Well, it depends. What are you looking for? Well, how many people? That depends. How many are you looking to have coached? Three weeks later, I had a coaching gig kind of on the side. I did that and I said, this is awesome. I think I'm really, this is my thing. And I told myself, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. And I told myself, I can't do this yet. I'm still trying to figure out my, my failed business. Uh, I need a job. I, I mean, I, how many people say that today? I need a job. Just not now's not the right time. I'm waiting for the right time. 
And the universe told me what time it was because about four or five months later, uh, I had a meeting scheduled with my boss, who was also a friend. And he walked into the room. It was a regular meeting. We met every Monday. He walked in the room with some, with another partner and he walked in the room and I thought they're letting me go before they even said anything. And they, you know, gave me this long story, very genuinely about the economy. It was during the, um, you know, the great recession that we were just, we ran out of runway, man. And we feel horrible about this and I'm inside going, well, now's the time. And yep. so I pretended not to be happy. <laughs> I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. I just, I remember very much putting on this act of no, no, it's okay. I understand we're all disappointed, but we'll be okay. And we'll stay friends. And they walked out of the room and I kind of went, okay, now's the time. And awesome. uh, six weeks later, so I told some guy that what had happened, I, I I'm going to, I'm sorry. I said, I'd close. I'm going to close with this stuff. Cause I always love sharing this story. People tend to resonate with it. I go to a networking event for job seekers, not because I was looking for a job, but I had spoken to their group about how to network for a job, applying business development skills to job search. This guy comes up to me and goes, how are you doing? I go, I'm doing awesome. And he said, wow, you know, not a lot of people here are awesome. I said, I know it's depressing here. All I hear people here talking about is I can't get a job. There's no jobs. It's pretty depressing. And he said, well, Jeff, with all due respect, you have a job. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> he says, what do you mean? I go, I lost my job like six weeks ago. What are you doing? I, I started my own business, coaching business. Well, you have clients? Oh, no, I have no clients. Well, you must have had like some good financial base. I said, oh, no, no, I'm still recovering from that other business. I got divorced. I'm paying for two households. This is the worst time in my entire life financially to start a business. And he said, well, <laughs> he said, don't you have any prospects? I said, well, I'm working on it. But I said, you know, the sales funnel, what a sales funnel is. He goes, yeah, I go, I have a funnel drawn on my wall, but there's nobody in it yet. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, how are you awesome then? And I said, I woke up and decided to be awesome. And what I realized is it's always the right time for the right thing. And I started hustling that February of 2009, and I'm still in that hustle because I'm driven by something beyond, far beyond comfort, far beyond a paycheck. Uh, there's meaning in my life. And even on my worst business day, it's a great day. I love that. I love that. It's always the right time for the right thing. Isn't that a good one? That is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, now we're going to uh, ask you about kind of next steps for your business and the Nishwitz group. So if there was one or two people that you could meet that could help you take those next steps for your company and your speaking practices, who would that person be and how would they do it? Um, it could be a type of person or a specific name. Yeah. Um, mine are more uh, a type of person. The type of person is uh, I love meeting people who are typically business owners. So I like meeting business owners who are they're growing 
they're either growing their business or they want to grow their business, but typically they're struggling. They're not just struggling in their business. Something's off. You know, maybe the, maybe the business is killing it, but it's killing them. You know, maybe they're in that thing of, I, I don't know how to, I don't know what's next for my business, or I know what's next for my business, but I don't feel like I'm being the husband or partner that I want to be. I don't think, feel like I'm being the father or mother I want to be. Something's off because my work is really at the, that intersection of business and life. When people say, are you a business coach or a life coach? I always say, if you can tell me the difference, I'll answer your question. And they can never, they just go, oh, oh, I get your point. Like, that's it. That the conversation's done. Um, but I would say this, what I found in my life, Timothy, Timothy, because it helps me grow my business, but it also fills up my life and enriches my life is I love meeting people and connecting with people who are doing interesting things, interesting people doing interesting things. That's been my mantra for about seven years. When people say, who do you want to meet? I said, I want to meet interesting people doing interesting things. And lo and behold, what do I do? I meet really interesting people doing interesting things who have their own, typically are mission driven. Um, uh, so that, you know, that's the thing. Business owners who really want to grow themselves and grow their life and their business will grow in that. Um, the other thing I'm going to take the opportunity to share, Timothy, because it's been on my heart the last month or so, I, I was asked to get involved in starting a nonprofit earlier this year by a woman I met last fall who's just amazing. Her name is Eunice Nuna, and Eunice is from Kenya. She's a rape survivor, and her story is horrific and incredible. And uh, she now she came to the United States because she's been threatened in Kenya because she's speaking out and she started a nonprofit to help sexual violence survivors and to give them a safe place. And we're getting this thing started. And so when you look at people, um, I'd love to meet some people who have a heart for women, some of it's boys too, but people who are sexual violence survivors or in those high risk places. Um, Cause I know we're just one or two relationships away from getting things done and really having an impact in Kenya. Um, so yeah, that would make my heart really smile to have some conversations with people who are drawn to that conversation, to that type of impact. Yeah, it's yeah. called Wounded Healers, Wounded Healers International. Um, Nuna's just incredible. Talk about somebody on mission. <laughs> What'd you say her name was? Nuna or Eunice? Eunice. Her first name is Eunice. Her last name is Nuna, N-U-N-A. Uh, the organization's called Wounded Healers International. Yeah, she, you know, she was... Nuna's story was she was raped at a young age, got pregnant, ended up having a child, disowned by her family, homeless, still got caught, went to college. Um, the reason she had to leave Kenya is the person who raped her was a policeman, someone who she asked for help from. And that policeman is now a government official. 
So he doesn't like her speaking out. So he threatened, she started to get threats. So she came to the United States to be safe. But the, the, well, the, the mission is happening in Kenya. She's here, started this group here with my help to start raising funds to just, you know, create safe houses and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's, that is a passion of mine. Uh, in terms of a dream is being able to help Nuna keep more young women safe in Kenya. That's a dream too. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Thanks for sharing. I'm glad we didn't yeah. get off the podcast without you sharing that. <laughs> yeah, right on. Yeah. Awesome. So what, what is the most, one or, what are the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to both help you with Wounded Healers International and your coaching and consulting company? Uh, well, with the, from the coaching and consulting business, the main thing is listen. Just listen to what people are saying because people will say, I'm not sure who to, who you need to meet. And I said, well, they're telling you, you just may not hear them. Uh, typically, like I said, it's a business owner. Uh, more often than not, and I'll just, I'm just claiming this, most of the time it's men. Just because I've done so much work with men, I do work with a men's organization called the Mankind Project, all about helping men be better men. So when people hear men talk about how they're struggling in life that's the person to talk to um so it's just listening the big thing is listen for people who are talking about their struggles um, whether it's a business struggle or a life struggle usually it's both and with wounded healers i'll tell you um all i would ask is go to wounded healers it's wounded healers like intl.org just go there and all i would ask people to do is read a little and watch a couple videos and then follow your heart um and i guess the other piece i'd add is if if people are part of organizations that that's one of the things that organization supports you know, we'd love to talk to some companies and get them to partner with us um, to help be, drive some of this impact. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you part of the story that just, this is the stuff that angers me to motivate me. So it's good anger is uh, one of the issues in Kenya, why young girls are basically selling their bodies to get feminine hygiene products and clean drinking water. So you've got teenage girls who will basically prostitute themselves to get a dollar so they can get pads or tampons. They're not available to them. So one thing we're looking to do is partner with organizations that might be in those product lines to get donations of those products because as strange as it seems, by providing drinking water or feminine hygiene products to these girls, it keeps them safe by having those. It's that simple. I mean, it's that simple. Um, so you can imagine that you can change a life with a bottle with, with fresh drinking water. You can change a girl's life and keep her safe by providing her with feminine hygiene products. 
I never would imagine that. I yep. still can't. I hear it. I still can't imagine it, but that's the reality. So those are some ideas, Timothy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Um, awesome. Awesome. Man, you hit at my heartstrings. Sorry. Threw me a little bit. Good. Um, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. And I just like to ask you questions about how you thrive in life and what you're doing to kind of mm-hmm. take care of yourself. So what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Oh, my God. Oh, a guy that reads. You're asking this of a guy that reads 40 or 50 books a year and loves movies and spends his walking time listening to podcasts. Um, I'm going to go with the movie. And the movie is Shawshank Redemption. Mm. I think there is so... Because to me, the message of Shawshank is relationships and hope. In fact, there's a line in there where um, Morgan Freeman says to uh, uh, Timothy, Tim Robbins, because Tim Robbins is talking about hope and Morgan says, don't go there. That's the worst. You can't have hope here. And Tim Robbins says, no, that's the only thing that matters here. And I think that's true of life. Uh, it's not being Pollyannish, but hope. Uh, and their friendship is just beautiful. Um, you know, you look at it, how often you look at a scene or a relationship and say, just how, look at how they loved on each other. Um, so to me, that movie is about relationships and hope. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And what's one way you like to take care of yourself? Um, you know, I, I've, I've simplified it. I do two things. I very, uh, we talked earlier about the workaholic. One thing I do is I set boundaries on my work. Uh, and I'm getting pretty good at it. I can turn off the work and just rest. But I just like to walk. I, I used to run, but it was pretty hard on my body. Walking is one of the best exercises. So I walk almost every day just two or three miles. That's also when I'll listen to a book or a podcast. So I am a little bit of multitasking in it, but I look forward to it. Uh, you know, it gets my body moving. And I would add to this because I think so many people miss this. Walk everywhere. Walk everywhere is something I do very intentionally. So when I go to the store, I don't look for the closest parking spot. I park in the furthest parking spot. And I walk. Um, when I'm going, if I've got to go do something nearby, I go walk. I walk there instead of driving there. I have a mindset of just walk uh, and, and take the stairs and not the escalator. Like that's true for me, like in airports. I've been in airports a lot. I'm very conscious. I take the stairs, not the escalator. So I'm constantly reminding myself to move my body in just these little ways. And, um, and the other thing I'll add, because it just, it fills my heart. I have this shopping cart thing. You ever notice how there's shopping shopping carts everywhere in the parking lot? Oh yeah. And they, they have people who go around and get them. I'm like, I look at that and I say, why didn't, why'd you leave your shopping cart there? 
why don't you just walk it back to the place where you put them? Mm-hmm. I walk my cart shopping carts back. And if I'm, if I'm walking into the store, I grab a cart and take it with me. You almost never see me in a parking lot without a shopping cart, because to me, it's just a little act of kindness and making it easier for someone else. And I'm walking. And I, I guess I think that's a bit of a, you say what makes take care of myself is this is, I never realized how big a mission this is. I have this desire to just be kind and do and do kindness kindnesses to people, even if they're small. I mean, I was thinking about I'm in this business, I belong to this business club here in Tampa, and my interactions with the people that work there are I hopefully I hope they receive it this way is like I have a personal goal that I want to be the person there, the member there that they go, he's respectful, he's kind, he's friendly. And he makes our job easier. Not that they make my life easier. I want to be the guy that people know as kind and respectful. No matter who you are, no matter what your job is, no matter where you are in life, that we're equal. We're different, but equals. And that's been a mantra in my life for a long time. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Awesome. What is one action step you can take right now to you know take your consulting business to the next level but also taking the nonprofit wounded healers international to that next level and finding those strategic partnerships well the the one on wounded healers is very clear for me uh because it's on my priorities for this week is to schedule a couple of get to know the organization gatherings one in person here in Tampa and one in um, I'll do online just to share some of the story. Let, let Nuna share her story. There's a lot of people in my life who still don't know about this. So I'm starting in close. So schedule the little things would be schedule those two things online and in-person uh, events for wounded healers uh, for the business. That's a great question. Uh, the business would be to uh, begin marketing because I just created a new program where business owners come together and support each other, but also get coaching from me. Some people call them masterminds. Some people call them peer-to-peer networking groups. Uh, I've created the concept. I'm, I'm at launch stage. So basically light the fuse. It'd be light that fuse. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? No, Timothy, I'm just grateful for the opportunity uh, to talk about these things. Some things I, some of these things I don't talk about a lot um, for different reasons, not for different reasons. They're just only so much space. And uh, I love your questions. Uh, they made me think. And um, I, I will close with this thought. And if people haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, do you know who uh, Jimmy Valvano was? I do not. So Jimmy V, as he was known, was the ba- head basketball coach at North Carolina State. Uh, won a national championship, sort of the underdog in the night, I think 1983. Very well-known coach, very popular. Uh, and sadly, Jimmy died at a very young age of cancer. And the ESPN, the ESPYs, has an, an Arthur Ashe Courage Award. 
and I believe it was the first year they gave out that award. They gave it to Jimmy V and he gave a speech at the ESPYs. It's only about eight or 10 minutes. Uh, he was riddled with cancer at the time. I believe he died three weeks later. No one even knew if he would make it there. And if you watch him, he get, he's getting up on stage, being helped up on stage. He's so weak, but he comes alive and he gives his talk. And he says that it's a very funny, but motivational and inspirational talk. And he says, there's three things that make a great day. You think, you laugh, and you cry. And he said, if you every day that you do that, you think you laugh and you cry, that's a great day. And um, I feel like all three of those happened today because I, I thought because of your questions, I laughed and I felt emotion talking about wounded healers. So great day. Thanks for letting me start this way. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, same here, man. Same here. I appreciate it. Well, awesome. If you guys are listening to this podcast and you liked what Jeff had to say, you vibed with his mission, either in his the Nishwitz group or in Wounded Healers, make sure to reach out to him, contact him, and go to the website for Wounded Healers, which is woundedhealersintl.org. Yes, Wounded Healers INTL. If you put in Wounded Healers International, it will come up. There are some other organizations called Wounded Healers that do some different things, but Wounded Healers International, you'll find it. Awesome. Sounds good. Be on the lookout for that. All of that will be in the show notes. Finally, send this podcast to somebody you know needs to hear the message and just make sure you can spread it. And last but not least, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. Guys, thank you for listening. We're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day. <laughs>